You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that and like you right now. So be encouraged and let your light shine. We got tea there. I got some tea there. What kind of tea? That is chamomile tea and honey. Nothing. Why did you want some? Listen, I've tried so many teas and I can't. Well, this is like coffee tea now because it it's in my coffee cup, so it feel like tea combined tastes a little like coffee because. Well, yeah, now I got coffee taste in my tea because I'm trying to cut back on coffee because it doesn't make me feel very good. So I can't just like lightly flavored water. Shade grown coffee. What's that? It's supposed to be better for you. It's less acidic. Say that again. Shade grown. Shade grown coffee. Yep. Ask Sarah about it. She does research on. I'll ask Sarah, and we'll Google it. These pictures are new. This is a new thing, right? Listen, Brian didn't want a picture. Okay. He sent a a picture, which then took and made a cartoon out of. Okay. I was trying to take a whole bunch of pictures, like glamour shot style, like maybe not glamour shot, but like school stuff. And Sarah wouldn't. Sarah wouldn't take the pictures. I'm I'm all screwed around. (laughs) Listen, shouldn't we? (laughs) (laughs) Shouldn't we though? Couldn't even take a picture. I know we call them headshots, but really, can't we go back to glamour shots? Big hair. I know Beth would be all over the glamour shots. Oh, for sure. She's not here right now, but for sure. Yeah, why not? I just listened to you. We listened to you coming back from Ashtabula last weekend. So, Oh, yeah? Yeah. Listen uh, to your mom and dad the week before. Oh, yeah, the Osbournes really had a really... They had a big part of that first year. Listen, I was looking at all of your education. That's oh, a lot. It's amazing. And I don't use any of it. I That's usually the case with education. <laughs> None of it whatsoever. None of it. Yeah, but I this, go work on the side of a highway. You... Fill potholes. You should <laughs> consider... You should consider a podcast. No. Look at all of these things you have to, to talk about. I got nothing to say. <gasps> oh, yeah. There's lots of stuff. Oh, my gosh. Theology in here, too. So much. I don't remember any of it. Oh, my gosh. Isn't my that the worst? Is horrible. But, the, uh, but then you, you have all this education here. But you have associates. Well, because that's what you masters. have to do to get promoted anymore. Worked in, I was in the schoolhouse my last four years. So you're up against everybody that's literally doing the exact same job. The only way to stand out is extracurricular or school. Did you grow a beard immediately after getting out? Like, couldn't wait to do it. Josh is like getting closer to the microphone, knowing this is going to be in there. <laughs> um, Tell me about your beard. Yes, I think I did grow a beard immediately yeah. after. The beard's awful in a conversation piece. Yeah, actually. I'm jealous. It's I, a nice beard. I get jealous of people's beards too. Are you allowed to have a beard in your line of work? At work, my civilian job, but not in the military. I have to, I have to shave at least once a month. Well, when you go in, yeah, Yeah. I got you. I was like, what are you talking about? Air Force. How long? 10 years. Do you miss it? Nope. I was surprised to see it wasn't even listed on the the occupations there. Not at all. Did you enjoy it while you were there? I did for a while. What made you join? Something I wanted to do, I guess. What's the earliest you can sign up? 17 or something. So I think I knew at 16 and was already in the delayed enlistment program. And once I could officially sign up into it, then I did. 
it was kind of nice going through high school. I already know what you were going to do. I actually wanted to be a cook and ended up heavy equipment operator. They had a sign-on bonus. So, What were the different bases you were at? Ellsworth, South Dakota and Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. So I got to finish out my time in an Army installation, which was fun. It's the center for all construction, all heavy equipment operation. So we taught Army, Air Force, Navy, and Marines. Well, I guess not all if you count the Coast Guard. So you went through that same place with your training? I went through it with my training, yep. You instructed them. Mm -hmm. Which is why I had to have schooling to be able to do that. Yeah. So I had non-volved there. I was forced to go there. I had was actually putting in for a uh, airman leadership school position in South Dakota because I knew my time was coming close to an end. I had been there for six years already. So that would be like to become an NCO, a non-commissioned officer, you have to go through airman leadership school in the Air Force to be able to get promoted to actually wear your stripes. So I would have been there teaching non-commissioned officer stuff. I had actually applied for that and was hoping to do an interview there and they rejected it before I even got it because I had orders in the pipeline to go to the schoolhouse. I was like, okay, wonderful. I guess I'm going to Missouri, which it ended up being the best thing. One of those things when you look at life, what God's doing, he saved my life probably through that. I had been deployed the two previous years before that, and I was to the point that's all I wanted to be was deployed and I actually just really wanted to kill people. Like that was it. It had gotten that bad. Yeah, so it was cool to come back, be yanked out of it. I didn't realize how much I needed that until after I got out of there and came back to the Lord, I guess. I mean, I found getting into one of the questions, what turned my light on, I guess, was some authentic believers in Missouri. So I found the house that I wanted to buy when I moved there, just looking online, whatever. And I just went with the realtor that had listed the house, ended up buying the house. Well, then you're still sitting in limbo for 30 days or whatever, waiting on the house to close. Well, I needed some place to live. Her parents had my realtor. They had a, like a living quarters for their son who really didn't live there anymore. He was living with his girlfriend. So they got me hooked up. I stayed with them for a bit and real small, 30 people maybe in the church, just a small, very small town. And basically the family was the church. The church was the family. And they're like, you go to church? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had grown up in church and but I don't even know if God existed anymore at that point, huh. but I was going with it. It's already good. For those of you who are listening, if you listened to Brian's podcast last week, I think that it's just so interesting because he talked about not necessarily having seen something huge and supernatural, but looking back on his life, all of the providence that he's seen God working in, things that he couldn't have done himself, yeah. situations that he pulled Brian out of and put him into. And I just love it's how... It's definitely easier to look back and <laughs> see what we were talking about on Sunday. I was reading Moses and setting up altars and... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I will say it's very, very confusing when I'm listening. You and Beth sound very much alike Do on we? the podcast for some reason. If I'm not paying attention, it, I can get lost in who's who's who. Well, it's going to be even more difficult tonight. That's right. Josh and I, identical. Exactly the same. <laughs> you think it's difficult to tell Beth and I apart? You ain't going to make it. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. Like this, is <laughs> this is Josh. This is Kate. And we are so honored to have and be with Jeremy Lindemann tonight. Beth is not here. Beth is far away. But we're also really honored and blessed to have Josh take over and hang out with us for the evening. I'm going to do my best to fill in for you while you do your best to fill in for Beth. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
I'm feeling better, sounding more like Josh every day. <laughs> or less like Josh every day. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you got it. Oh, P.S. Wait, can I ask, as far as like Air Force goes, do you They're the best branch, yes. You don't have to ask anymore. Oh, do you have to fly? Do you have to fly? No. I flew a bulldozer. <laughs> I had to go to the Army to fly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, so let's give some bio on Jeremy. Jeremy was born and raised in Lesseur. You actually said it right. Pierre Lesseur. Really? French explorer who founded Lee Sewer, I guess. I don't know. All right. So Pierre Lesseur, Lesseur, Minnesota. I was born and raised in Lesseur, Minnesota. Also went to school in Lesseur, Minnesota. Public school all yes. the way through? Yep. Presently, a highway worker with the Ohio Department of Transportation. Previously with the Air Force? Yeah, and some jobs in between there. Yes. The Air Force, you said, 10 years? 10 years in the Air Force. He has been with and married to Sarah for 10 years. How long did you date? Before or after being engaged. How long were you engaged? Well, the whole thing was about 10 months from day one till marriage. So let's Ooh. see. We met in September. We were engaged in January and married in July. Oh. Wow. That's awesome. Well, we were getting older, more wise. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was wisdom. You didn't feel like your years slipping away. It's what, 10 years? So I'm 38. So yeah, we were 28. So old and wise. We've been through it. And well, Sarah wasn't ready to get married yet. She said I had to trick her into getting married. Oh. <laughs> I guess it worked. I mean, we're here 10 years later. I was going to say, it looks like it's, got, it's gotten well so far. They have one daughter, Lillian, who is six years old. Jeremy, he holds an associates in construction technology and associates in, stru in structure. Oh, I'll take this one. An associate instructor of technology and military science. <laughs> he has a bachelor's in religion. Master's in Christian ministry. And a partial master's of divinity. MDiv. That's amazing. You've had great education. It's a lot. He lists his hobbies as hanging out with his family. Yeah, I don't do anything. I work and hang out with my family. Do you love being outside and oh, yeah. the outdoors and gardening and... As Not gardening, that's Sarah. Just Sarah. Okay. I didn't know if that was a family I will help affair. with the garden if my arm is twisted extremely hard. Okay. But no, I don't really care to help with the garden. The tilling was fun, but now we're doing no till. So, but I will definitely help if she wants help. Jeremy, Sarah, and Lillian have been at the Upper Room for the last four years. It is an honor to have them here at the church, and they've been a wonderful addition to the Upper Room family. For sure. I'm very, very grateful for them. Mm -hmm. So, along with that, thank you for saying yes. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, you started to get into it, but question number one, who or what turned your light on? I grew up in church, but just never, I guess, owned my faith, really. I knew about a God, I guess, who was, maybe I should say that, probably the best way to say it, not a God who is or is alive or anything else, but more of just a God who was. He came and Jesus died for us. All's good. Didn't leave a whole lot for of interest for me. And once I joined the military, left home, I left church and eventually didn't even know if God existed. was always somewhat aware that he existed, but didn't really know. After six years in South Dakota, I had orders to move to Missouri. Like I was saying, my realtor, she got me hooked up with her family. Very small town church, close-knit, authentic believers. I wouldn't say definitely wasn't a spirit-filled church, although the spirit was definitely in there. Just wasn't part of the theology. It was a non-denominational Christian church, but authentic, true people that loved one another, loved God. It just... 
drew me in. It had actual appeal that, hey, you know what? People actually believe this stuff and actually live it. It's not just something that was. That's really, I guess, what turned me on. I was baptized as a baby during a sermon series. You got talking about baptism, and I just kind of felt convicted that I wasn't really baptized or didn't have a choice in my baptism. So I chose to be baptized as an adult. I don't know. I mean, the story goes on. It's not just that. It goes from just increasing increasing faith. I had bought a house when I moved to Missouri based off of renting my house out in South Dakota that I owned. And once a year had come up on my lease there, my renters did not renew and I wasn't able to get my house sold. It really just got to the point where I had no money left. I had no ability to do anything. My house in uh, Missouri was more than what I needed. It was, I was sitting on three acres. It was a three bedroom, two bath house, two car garage out in the country. You know, it it was what I thought I wanted and it, it was too much for me to handle financially. It was just completely upside down. So I had listed that house. Both houses were for sale at this point because I wasn't getting any traction on my house in South Dakota. We were getting ready to go to a men's retreat for the weekend. I don't remember if I was waiting on somebody to come pick me up or if I was driving. I don't remember. I know I didn't have much money for gas or anything else. It was the point. I had no money, no food really in the house. I had eaten everything, didn't really have money to go get gas or do anything else. I was struggling. I was eating with the family from the church, kind of bouncing around different places to get food. And I'm not sure that any of them actually ever knew how broke I was. But anyways, we're getting, I'm getting ready to go to this retreat, and I just broke down and just cried out to God, literally bawling on the floor like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's going on. It's all messed up. I'm going to lose everything. So that night at the retreat, I had gotten a call from the one realtor saying they had showed the house. They were really interested in it. We're expecting an offer next morning. Same phone call from the other realtor selling the other house. Within 24 hours, both houses were sold. I didn't make any money. I didn't lose any money. My houses were sold. And then I was homeless. So I moved into my pastor's camper in his garage. Yeah, just being around them more. He was, to date, one of the best people that I've ever met in my life. When I met him, I didn't know it, but he had been healed, I guess, of bone cancer at that point. It hadn't come back yet. So um, when we're talking about, I guess, miraculous stuff and the supernatural, that was part of it. But he still had a lot of pain from it, even though there was no cancer in his body. He still had a lot of pain. And he was on more morphine when I met him than most people are in the end stages of life. But he was just jolly. He kind of remind me of Santa Claus. I mean, <laughs> your stereotypical Santa Claus thoughts, just jolly, always happy. Not always, but but always happy. Just a great person. He ended up getting bone cancer back, and eventually I moved into the house to help take care of him. Seeing somebody who so truly believed and followed and was just completely authentic really just changed my life. I guess after his death, I started into the schooling for ministry and stuff. So I guess that's part of my story. Was Sarah saved when you met her? Like, did you kind of grow together, or she was... Sarah wasn't for another three years into this process. But yes, I mean, she was saved, but kind of somewhat the same thing. She grew up going to church and, yeah, went off to college. Knew God was still there and found peace and going to church on the weekends and stuff, especially when things got really stressful or whatnot, and but wasn't necessarily living it out, same sort of thing. And when we met, one of the first things we 
did was we found a, a church. Uh, it was a venue church in Rolla, Missouri. They're more of a charismatic church, and we just were super uncomfortable, but super <laughs> at home as well. Like stuff we hadn't ever heard about necessarily or even learned. So, so was that kind of your introduction to the spirit aspect? Yes. And aside from here, that was it. Weren't really in any other churches that were spirit-led, I guess, however you want to look at it, that actually delved into the Holy Spirit being part of the Trinity. Most mm-hmm. places, it's God and Jesus or just one of them, not all three. So so what got you into the theology education? Just being, just living with my pastor and his wife. How long were you with him? Two years, probably. I don't really know. That whole time was such a, like a surreal time. There was so much going on. The family was always over and you know, we had a lot of nights playing cards or playing games or whatever, just hanging out. And then as things went on, it just more and more time was spent focused on doing that. I'm thinking it was two years, but about, I don't honestly know. About how old were you during that time? 25. Okay. So here's what I love. Not only were you totally taken in by the example of Christ in their lives, But they were also an example of how community should be done well. We talk about a lot community or small groups or relationships, but sometimes I I think it has to be observed to really understand. Yeah, most people don't have a context for it. I mean, Mm -mm. unless they grew up in a big family and different cultures have more of that than what we typically do as Americans, where maybe more of the extended families living together or they're getting together numerous times during the weeks. You kind of get that. But as far as Americans go, for the most part, people don't live in the same place for more than five years. So we're highly transient. Relationships truly take a good five years to build. Don't they? So if you're moving every three to five years and it takes three to five years to build relationships, well, how are you ever going to be in a true community and and get close with each other? And we see community a lot in the New Testament, but and you didn't just observe it. Like you were kind of immersed in it and that's definitely a way to make it real. Right. Absolutely. Spark an interest for sure. I just think that's interesting that happened at like such a critical time in your life in the mid twenties. Absolutely. You know, when people are figuring things out and deciding their path and you were talking earlier about Providence and looking back and Mm -hmm. Kate was talking about what Brian said about that and that was such a critical time in your life, you can tell. Well, I mean, really all of it. It just, it was saying just the whole path of where we were and where we are, everything just, if we truly look back and believe that God is God in our life, it's just coming to Ohio. Sarah didn't want to come to Ohio. She never wanted to come back home. She had had bad words spoken her over basically saying that she was never going to make it and she'd be back. And that's what she held on to. People that didn't even matter in her life. It wasn't people that mattered in her life. It was just, you're from a small town. Okay. You're going to go off and, but it's not going to last. You're going to come right back. And it wasn't anything of anything that should have had power over her life yet. Mm -hmm. Spoken words do. Spoken words do. I mean, it's exactly what you and Megan were talking about with just speaking life over your, over your children. And, but we had been in Missouri for so long, we hadn't wanted to be there for years. Literally, we were trying to do everything we could do to get out of there and just never felt like we were supposed to leave. Felt like that's where we were supposed to be at the time. And I was out back raking leaves in the yard and Sarah had gone through a ton of job interviews and just was completely deflated and it was killing me. Again, God, what is going on and what are we supposed to do? There I am out back raking leaves and he says, supposed to go back to the farm. Okay. 
So we ended up coming back to the farm like five weeks later, and we've been here ever since. Five we do, weeks. We do things man. fast. I don't know. Yeah. It's, we lived in a camper. We didn't have a house when we moved here. We borrowed a, Sarah's uncle's camper, and we lived in a camper for, I don't know, a month, two months. I don't know how long it was. And uh, we found our house the first weekend that we were here. Another cool God thing, we had gone through Financial Peace University, had gotten out of debt, had been saving up money. We had like $50,000 saved up. After being negative, like $87,000, we were positive $50,000. amazing. Uh, and let me tell you, the house pickings with $50,000 was very, very slim. Literally every house that we looked at, the foundation was falling in, except for the house that we looked at. I had come out a few weeks previous to look at houses, and our realtor was amazing. Good Christian man. Never tried to pressure us into looking at anything more. He knew we were doing cash, and that was it. So that's what we looked at. We look at the houses, and he just look at me like, hey, this is, no, <laughs> yeah. there's just too much. You know, you can't, the amount of money that you need to put into this place to make it livable is, is horrible. So we had moved out here, and we were just still going by faith. Let's go back to the farm. So we went back to the farm. Sarah got here, I think Friday night or Saturday, whatever it was, Saturday or Sunday, our house came on the market, saw it, went, looked at it. Literally the only people that looked at it, first people and only people, we walked through it. It was nasty and it just, it was disgusting. Talked to the realtor. I was like, did you see anything wrong with the house? Like it's nasty, but was there anything wrong with it? We walked through the whole thing again. I think this is it. So we bought a nasty old home and continued to live in the camper because well the house was nasty so we had to tear out flooring and had to redo a whole bunch i don't know it just it goes on and on and on when you look back and mm -hmm. just see went from buying a house with three acres three bedroom two bath that i didn't need it was just me <laughs> that i was yeah. couldn't even afford to being able to pay cash for a house well, I've if anybody's there. looking for a house, we will be selling our house at some point in time. I was going to say, it's not like that it's anymore. It's nowhere near like I've that now. I've been in there since, and yeah. it's lovely. I've noticed you're very good with hammer and nails, turn a wrench. You're handy. Did you develop those skills during that time? or YouTube. 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 During you that can time. learn anything on YouTube. Yes <laughs> and no. Yes and no. My dad was in construction when I was growing up, on and off. So we lived in fixer-upper houses. So we worked on the house. Mm -hmm. Moving here, Lillian's. Pulling nails. She's three years old or two <laughs> years old or however old she was. She's pulling nails. We got videos of her pulling nails from the floor and helping paint and do all that stuff. Just growing up around it and learning it. But yeah, YouTube still a whole lot. Any any of the wrenching stuff. Yeah, I watch YouTube videos before I do anything because I don't know anything as far as that goes. Resourceful. Yeah. But I think the cool thing is you are continuing to step forward into what you felt like God said to you. So even though you've been in your house and you renovated it and fixed it up and are now planning to sell, still working towards really what God said earlier, which is getting back to the farm. Yeah. Well, and that was, I mean, that's another part of it that was really hard. The farmhouse is gone. It's sold. It was auctioned off a couple of years ago. And that was a super hard part. Holding on to that, that we're supposed to be at the farm. We can't afford it. Nothing's come through. We don't, I don't, what do you do with that? What do you do when you have a word and you're holding so firmly onto it and no way to see it realized other than to trust that some other way God's going to work it. We're cleaning everything up and fixing fence rows and everything. That was a really hard time. That crushed me for a while. God, you said this is where we're supposed to be, and 
we're not here, what happened? But just hearing different people say, and, and Sarah's father was has been good with that. He's like, farm's still there. We still got a bunch of the property. They didn't even sell half of the properties. There's still a bunch of it there. And we're actually, we bought some property on a sheriff's sale foreclosure we buy junk here. I don't know. It was literally trash from one end of the acre and a half to the other. And we've had to clean it up. It had a two-story house falling in full of junk. There's about three acres behind us standing in the way of being connected to the farm property, which we're believing that God's going to give us. We felt like we've had a word for that, that there's actually, a, it's a five-acre track, but it kind of L's around us. Someday we'll be back at the farm. I don't know how it's going to happen or when, but... It's kind of cool. So I love that. But in the now, I don't know. We're ready to build and we don't have the money to build. So we just live where we're at. But I like that through all of this, God's been really faithful and shows up. It's such a trite saying, you know, he shows up in the nick of time, you know, right when you feel like you're about to lose it all or whatever, that he shows up in those last minute moments. But I feel like you've literally experienced some of that. Yeah. And I also like that you're not focusing on the impossibility in front of you or the thing that you can't see how this is going to connect to you're looking back and seeing God's hand through all of it and using that to just keep going forward. That's really good. Yeah. Well, we just try to focus on when I was getting out of the military, Sarah was actually back up in Ohio here. So I was still down in Missouri. She was up here for a wedding. We had jobs lined up in New Jersey to go open a fitness club for somebody that Sarah had worked for. We were going to manage it. And I'm signing out. Our entire life is packed up in boxes, but I'm signing out and I feel like God says, what are you doing? Why are you going to New Jersey? You're not supposed to go there. You never even asked me about it. That was like maybe not one of the first ones, but that that was a hard part. Call Sarah up on the phone and Sarah being Sarah, I tell her all about it. She says, well, whatever you think we're supposed to do. Let's just lay it all right on top of me, Sarah. Let's not even, <laughs> let's not talk about this. Let's not pray about this. It's whatever, if that's feel, what you feel like we're supposed to do, then that's what we're going to do. But God came through just in the nick of time, mm. you know, <laughs> amazing. Never have been without, never missed a meal and uh, just real thankful. So from that time, that was kind of a, a changing point, I guess, in how we viewed things. And we don't always get it right. We get it wrong. You know, we don't always listen or seek him, but... We try to at least, what is it that you're doing here? What do you want us to do? We're not looking for open doors necessarily. I don't kind of, I don't really like that whole open door. My theology kind of behind it is that as long as you're seeking God with everything that you have and you're going in the direction that you feel like you're supposed to go, go. If it's wrong, God's going to correct it. He's not going to be mad at you for following him and not actually having been him, like not hearing him, you know, so making good. a wrong decision. I feel like so often we get paralyzed and that open door and close the doors if it's not right for me. And I'm not trying to make light of it or make fun of people, but you got to step out. So often God doesn't work until you do take that step. So if yep. you're waiting for a door to be open or climb through a window, I don't know. There's so many different funny sayings about yes. stuff, but, <laughs> but we just try to try to follow, I guess, as mm-hmm. much as we can. And if we get it wrong, we get it wrong. Next one. What lights you up? I guess really receiving words of encouragement for people. It's something I've really just come to love. And I don't know, there's just something about getting a word, just knowing something about somebody after looking at them and knowing that God has something for them. And while I may not know exactly 
you know, what the outcome is going to be or how this word's going to hit that done it enough and received enough from God that I just know that he's got something for them. And hopefully it's something that they need. And sometimes it, it has been something that they need, like really direly needed. Getting a word from the Lord, encouraging people, speaking life into them, that lights you up. Anything else in that one? Or I can go to the next one. Seeing people actually get it, kind of going back to the whole, once I was finally around people who lived out what they believed, there's just something about seeing people actually get it. It's that finally it, it clicks. You know what? God is real. Jesus did come to save me. And not just that, but like moving forward into it. I do have access to the Holy Spirit. He is with me. And I'm learning this more and more. I loved with in our class the other day, talking, hearing about the Holy Spirit, the image of the Holy Spirit sitting on your shoulder. Mm -hmm. And that's been cool for me to just have that picture when I'm walking around, at least like when I walk into work for 30 seconds until work takes over and I don't think about it anymore. But, you know, 30 seconds is better than no seconds, I guess. Yep. So, yeah, seeing people actually get it more fully, being confident in who they are and who they were made to be in Christ, whatever it is, and however um, they're gifted and their servings, whether it be music or, or whatever else. It's seeing people actually get it. And worship as well is something I do struggle with that. Sometimes like it fills me up, but it's easy. I easily get distracted. If I see somebody walk in, I've got to see what's going on. If I'm looking around, like trying to be aware of what's going on around. And so that can interfere a lot of times, but having those moments to sink in and, and worship, even at the men's retreat, there wasn't like anything super outrageous with our worship or anything, but I'm doing words and helping Rob out, getting emotional, doing words, like clicking the computer forward, like what's going on here? <laughs> you know, just those moments of yeah. hearing the words and taking them into heart. So anytime I can slip into that, I that lights me up, I guess. So that's so good. I don't know if that answers your question that did, necessarily, so that but that's so got good. one cough drop left. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. How are you letting your light shine right now? I well, feel like some of your passion, the the number two question, what lights you up, I feel like even started to touch on that. Sharing words of encouragement, helping trying to help people grow in that and sharing my story. I guess we kinda already went through it all. So but trying to be open with different parts of my story. That's, you know, we all have a story. We all have something that right. people can't take away from us. The house. God sold both my houses in 24 hours. All I know is that my house was listed forever. Couldn't sell it. Couldn't get a renter back in. Listed my other house too. Couldn't sell either one of them. And within 24 hours, they were both sold. The process of getting out of debt, process of buying a house, moving to Missouri, naming our daughter. You know, so that's one of the supernatural. Mm -hmm. Going to the store to get Sarah, she was sick, she was going to get some ginger drops to help her with her nausea and sitting at stoplight in Missouri. I hear Lillian or Lillian Ann. I wasn't quite sure which it was, which her name is Lillian Ann now. It's not Lillian, but mm -hmm. so go home and tell Sarah about it. And she's like, you're not going to believe this. Lillian is the name I have always wanted if I had a girl. Hmm. I guess we're having a girl. So we knew, I mean, we knew like... Huh. Three weeks in that we were having a girl. We found out we were pregnant when we were getting ready to go celebrate getting out of debt. We were going to Branson for the weekend to celebrate getting out of debt. I mean, it's just it's certain pillars that you set up that you can look back and God's got it. 
You just got to be aware of it and open your eyes to it. That's what lights me up. That's how I let my light shine. And I think it's so visible in you and your family that it's just become something so foundational in you and in Sarah that it just comes with you wherever you are. It just travels with you, which I think is always the goal. I mean, we talk about that at church oftentimes, the idea is that our lives are transformed so we can transform other lives, so we can transform communities around us. That's the goal. But I just appreciate that you guys are an example of that, that actually being lived out. Like it's something you actively do. You don't come into church on a Sunday morning... And I feel like this is so common in American Christianity to show up at church on a Sunday morning and be fed. But I think the difference, though, for you guys is that you come in and you are there to participate. Like, yes, you're there to be blessed. And that's really partially it. But you're also there to be used, to listen to God when He's there. And you do that everywhere. I just really appreciate how you do that on a Sunday morning. And I know that you do that day-to-day in your lives as well. Yeah, I've seen you use Try the, to anyways, yeah. the, the skills you learn on YouTube or, you know, just the life <laughs> skills to, to bless other people too. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, That's where I've seen how good you are with a, a hammer and nails, you know, just things that, you know, a lot of people don't know how to do and, and taking those skills and blessing other people with it in just a really practical, obvious way. Yeah. It's definitely part of who you are. And you're such a good mixture of that, which is also something that I appreciate that you're so practical Like you will come in and fix someone's house or do what needs to be done in the moment. But on the other side of that, it's a very spiritually led life where you're listening to what God has to say at the moment. I love that because we're supposed to be hands-on and we're supposed to be spirit connected. Again, that's just a really good example of being able to do both. Yeah, and that's one of the things we enjoy about being here in the, I don't know, I I call it a plurality of leadership. I don't know how to explain it any other way other than plurality of leadership, being an elder-led church. You know, we got church hurts from the past and really centered around there being one person and he, yeah, got off track. We weren't founded, I guess, firmly enough in who we were in the Lord and kind of followed and got off track. We really got hurt by it. So to come and find a place, you know, has so many great leaders, yet there is no leader. (laughs) Like how many churches do you walk into and the teaching pastor gets off stage and you don't go shake his hand when you, you walk out the door. Again. You don't see him in the lobby. I mean, yeah, he's just hanging out. <laughs> There's other people who are gifted in that area that they thrive in talking with people and getting connected with people. And it's refreshing. So I guess what I'm saying with that is that feeling like, feel like we have the support to be able to do that. Whether it's dealing with people that maybe are a little bit more difficult that we need more prayer covering for. You no, know, we got prayer covering. This is what's happening. What do we do? This is what I want to do. Oh, I get it. (laughs) I understand. But so having the openness with leadership and feeling like we have people that we can go to really, really makes a difference until people realize that because of being in community, realizing that there are others around them and not just leadership. I mean, just uh, other people within the church, the relationships being built up between the men that we're, we're trying to work on, trying not to take too much of my time away from sure. family. We got a lot going on. We are like as busy as we have ever been and don't like it. Hmm. Yeah. Just so much going on with cleaning up the property and working on stuff. Tons of work. Well, I feel like we've been making references to it throughout the discussion, but do you have any other spiritual or supernatural encounters that you want to share? So, first, probably real encounter, eh, maybe not first, second one with demons. It was in the ER with chaplain stuff down in Missouri. I was actually there 
unfortunately for a child that had died and ran into a guy from a Bible study or a, like a small group, and he was a nurse anesthetist there. They were bringing somebody in, and she was just out of it, drugged out, combative, in restraints, and kind of the whole nine yards, not a good situation. And they were forcibly doing a blood draw to find out what she was on so that they could help her. And he's the one chosen to do this. You need to come in and you need to draw blood from her. And she's kind of out there. So I just, I walked in the room with, and it was amazing because I could hear her out in the hallway. But when I got in there, she, it, they, whatever, locked onto me. And wherever I walked in that room, followed me. She was completely calm. He's doing like the butt out, arms extended, trying to put in a line, reached out and as far as away from this woman as he can because he doesn't want to get hit or stuck or spit on or vomited on or, mm -hmm. or whatever. No problems. He, he stuck her like four times, like her veins were not good at all. He ended up finally having to drop down sizes. Finally did get the line in and literally just followed me around the room. And I'm praying, you know, trying to stay out of the way of all the chaos that's going on in there. And so I talked to her and I don't even remember what I talked to her about, but it spoke to me. That was, sounded like it. It didn't sound like a woman's voice and she could have been a very manly woman. I don't know, but yeah, so that was creepy. That was, like I said, probably yeah. the second encounter with demons, but very much believed that she was demon possessed. I mean, she may have been on drugs too, but so much of this stuff kind of just carries. If you're into one thing, you've probably got some demons in there. Just the stuff that you're around, that's kind of what they feed off of. So so how do you respond in a situation like that? You just I didn't yourself. do anything. I just prayed in the room and walked around. Like I said, I talked to her or something about it afterwards. And I don't remember what it was, but I said something. It, it spoke, whatever it was. Maybe she said something. I don't remember. But basically, like, get this thing out of me. I just walked around the room, talked to her for a little bit, prayed for her and left. I don't know what happened to her afterward. That was creepy, though. I don't know. I feel like we talked about a lot of these supernatural things already. Yeah. Buying our house, selling both of my houses, moving to Ohio, jobs, the, even the jobs in Ohio. So when we moved out here, I, I worked for like four days at Carter Lumber, worked there for like four days and the owner of Quality Water Systems in Salem had come in and basically offered me a job, at least to interview for a job and found it interesting. So went and interviewed and got a job there, finished out the two weeks that I was on the schedule. So I worked at Carter Lumber for two weeks when I first moved to Ohio. And then I worked about six months at Quality Water before then a job opened up at Ohio Department of Transportation, highway maintenance worker, two minutes from Sarah's parents <laughs> and two minutes from where we're planning on building our house eventually. So it just is, it's kind of worked out. So seeing God's provision in that's been pretty cool. I mean, even with that, like the transition of got a job, I'm telling Quality Water and their policy is, and I gave them a five-week notice. Their policy is, you're leaving, you're gone now, which I kind of expected. So I had five weeks, and I started working on our upstairs. God had had us prepared for it. We had, financially, we were sound. We were okay. It wasn't hurting anything. So it gave me time to start remodeling our upstairs. So we had actual bedrooms and a bathroom upstairs. And it's interesting to see how God works in your life if you let him or if you're aware of it, take a step back. It's been good. It's definitely been good since being here. We've had 
ups and downs like everybody does. It's not all roses <laughs> and whatever. Maybe you don't like roses. I don't care for flowers that much, but I got to eat them in my salad once in a while. Oh. Thank you, Sarah. Wow. <laughs> lots of lots of edible flowers. Lillian loves edible flowers. So she likes to plant flowers in her little garden. She's got a little section and I get flowers because Lillian says I have to eat flowers. Oh, so yeah. Thank you, Lillian. We eat flowers. We eat all sorts of fun stuff. The garden. I mean, that's Sarah's story, but the garden's really been a supernatural thing to see so much healing happen for Sarah, just literally being on her knees and praying to God as she's working in mm-hmm. the soil to um, provide quality food for our family. I mean, it's just, it's so different from where we were. We have grown gradually through things. We're in just such a very different place than what either one of us ever thought we would be. I've been inspired just listening to you because of all the times that you talk about just listening to God and hearing God. I think that kind of speaks to the kind of theme of what you've been talking about, I I think, is just walking by faith. And when people don't have a sense, like so when someone's blind or they're down one sense, their other senses are heightened, right? Right. And so I kind of felt like I could kind of see you just walking blindly forward, but then having the wisdom to listen to God's direction. And you have to have that if you're going to move before you see the open door. Exactly. You're not waiting until it's absolutely clear that this is the only place I can go. You're moving forward, just always listening to God's guidance and and direction. And I think that that's inspirational for me, just listening to to you share your story and how you're always listening for God. And that's how you're able to get words for people and how you're able to know how to take the next step forward. I love that. I mean, and certainly sometimes we do wait for an open door. I mean, as you were talking, I was just thinking about the whole waiting forever in Missouri to leave. And we had opportunities to leave and we didn't take the open door. Yeah, not rushing forward. It wasn't where we were supposed to be. We had already learned that lesson that you didn't ask me, why are you going to New Jersey? You know, is this where we're supposed to be? Even though there was job opportunity there, it had been offered, it, the door was open. It wasn't where we were supposed to be mm-hmm. and eventually ended up here. It was rough there for a while. So to finally feel released, we knew that God was going to work it out. I just feel like all across the board, whether it's your podcast or the other ones behind us, they're all just so continually speaking of God's faithfulness. If we're present to listen and also to look back behind us and remember to see his faithfulness and also just super grateful for your example, both in the natural and in the supernatural, being a part of the family here, part of the upper room, to be an example on both ends of that. It's really easy to lean into one, but I feel like the balance is to be both of those. So I feel like you're a great example of that. I'm grateful for that. Thank you for joining us tonight. That was so nice of you. I appreciate it a ton. Yeah. Josh. This is a great conversation. Any closing thoughts? This was great. This was an easy, easy conversation to have. As you were talking, I was just thinking of kind of everything we were talking about. I was reading through Exodus this morning. Moses is finally... With the Israelites, they're cornered. <laughs> the story basically reads out that they're, they've are they cornered themselves. Like God tells them to come back to this area on the seashore where you're cornered because Pharaoh and his army is going to see like, hey, look, they're trapped. So we're going to go and get them, right? And so they start to come and everybody's panicked. Like, why did you bring us here? They're just waiting around. Moses, first off, he's like, don't worry about it. Like God's got us. Just wait. You're going to see him come through and... Finally, God just speaks to him. I don't remember which one, but he says, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Why are you still standing here? 
go through the sea, like split the waters. Moses was waiting on God, and Moses already had the power within him. He knew what he needed to do and where he needed to go, but he was still waiting. And I don't know, it was just just cool imagery to me this morning that God's like, why are you waiting on me? This is what you're supposed to do. Go do it. That really speaks to the whole faith thing. Why are you waiting? You know who you are. You know what you're supposed to do, or you know the direction. It's time to move people do get paralyzed by fear. Like there's only one way. Right. And I have to know that way. And I have to know for certain before I take a step, but to have the wisdom to listen and to be listening at all times and then having the courage to step out in faith. And that's what that is. That trite saying that that's what that is, is you can't see it. So you're stepping out in faith because you can't do it by sight. And so you have to be listening. Well, thank you for all of this, all of the wisdom, all the thoughts, all of your experiences. How does she close it? Tune in next time. Okay, thank you. You are the weakest link. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> Literally, I don't do this, so I'm not even... Thank you for that. Tune in next time. Special episode for another, another special guest. Exciting episode. Exciting episode. Tune in next time for another exciting episode. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Something like that. We get the idea. Oh, we got it. We got it. <laughs> <laughs>